Word reached Troy of a massive invasion, a Greek army from Achaea assembling to siege their city in vengeance over the woman Helena. The city leaders, Polydamus, Helen, Priam, sent word far and wide for aid. Would anyone come? As the enemy fleet drew nearer and doubt sank into their hearts, a massive force arrived from the Western Ocean, an army of Ethiopians and Indians. Among them was their king of Ethiopia, Memnon. As a son of Eos, the goddess of dawn, bearer of the armor of Hephaestus, and a favored of the gods, Memnon stood head and shoulders above his peers. The army brought with it a great feast, and the leaders ate and drank while sharing tales of battle. But while the king Priam of Troy boasted of exploits and called Memnon the savior of the Trojans, the Ethiopian king showed humility and reserve. He said he hoped his strength would be proven in battle. In the tragedy that would unfold over the course of the Trojan War, he would not be wrong. Hello, this is Mike from Darker Days Radio, and joining me is Crystal as we explore a secret frequency on Memnon, a mythic figure of Ethiopia, Greece, and Scandinavia. Crystal, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, how are you? Great, great. Thank you very much for joining me uh, here on an independent uh, Secret Frequency episode. The last two were just me talking into a microphone, so it's really great to have someone here to uh, you know, provide a little support, correct me on pronunciations, and uh, you know, just kind of uh, give listeners even more ideas for their horror role-playing games. Yeah, I'm happy to be here and help out with all this. All right. So tonight, you'll be regaled, dear listener, with stories of myth and legend, and treated to a plethora of ideas for your horror games. Little information on Memnon survives to the present day. Homer's epic poem, the Iliad, barely mentions him, while ancient writers mention an independent poem about Memnon, of which only five lines remain. Even still, the writing paints an epic story. During the Trojan War, many great heroes, backed by or related to many gods, clashed. Because Memnon uh, was respected by so many of the gods, uh, and fought amongst the Trojans, the high god Zeus declared that no god should intervene in the battles ahead. Memnon fought valiantly for his allies and eventually killed Nestor's son. The old warrior Nestor, the king of Pylos, uh, repeatedly challenged Memnon to battle, but the Ethiopian king refused to fight the old man. But as the Trojan and Ethiopian army made its way to the Greek ships, Nestor confronted Memnon once more, and the two finally agreed to clash. Zeus favored both warriors and decided to enchant both of them with tirelessness and made them both giants so that the entire battlefield could see them fight. Neither Nestor nor Memnon bested the other, and it was only by the intervention of Achilles that the battle ended. The impenetrable warrior stabbed Memnon through the heart, and as the giant king falls, the Ethiopian army that he brought with him flees in terror. But the story of Memnon doesn't end there. His mother, the goddess Eos, is bereaved and refuses to let the sun rise. Other gods, too, are devastated. The exact fate of Memnon varies from account to account. Some say that Zeus agreed to make Memnon immortal especially to calm his grieving mother. 
Others say that the gods gathered up all of Memnon's blood to create a river, one that bears the stench of human flesh on the anniversary of his death as a bitter reminder. A final account states that Memnon was entombed and his closest followers remained to guard his tomb, being transformed into birds called Memnonides. These birds patrol the area and keep his tomb clean of dust. Stranger still are later writings of Memnon. In the 13th century, Icelandic poet Snorri Sturluson wrote many mythic treaties, including one on Memnon. In it, he stated that Memnon had wed Troan, a daughter of King Priam of Troy, and had fathered a son, one whom the Northern Europeans knew as Thor. Now, how do we use these ideas of Memnon and similar mythological figures in our horror role-playing games? Now, Memnon is a mythological and fantastical figure which you may think normally would fit into other games, other urban fantasy games like Scion or the Dresden Files. However, as a character imbued with immortality, he can fit well in many World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness games. In Hunter the Reckoning's Hunter Apocrypha, the hunter Fyodor mentions visions that the imbued had precursor amongst the heroes of myth and legend. What if Memnon was one of them? More bizarre still, what if Memnon was an ancient original imbued, still alive in the modern nights? His immortality may not be an act of gods, but instead the effects of a level 5 edge. Of course, imbued hunters tend to lose their sanity due to distress of the hunt and the demands of the messengers, so a 3,000-year-old hunter may not be the easiest individual to work with. And actually, Crystal, kind of playing off of that, yeah. what if uh, Memnon... So in... I don't know how familiar you are with uh, Hunter the Reckoning, but in one of the later books, Fall from Grace, it talks about all the level 5 edges. And some hunters can have infernal edges, basically. Some can be powered by the messengers themselves, which are, uh, as people know from reading the Storyteller's Handbook, just angels. Or they can have their own, just their own personal drive and conviction can lead them to have these like powerful advanced edges. What if uh, an impute was actually backed by old pagan gods? Uh, I think that there's some potential for that, some possibility, uh, given the uh, angelic nature and divine nature of many of the imbued. I love that idea. Um, I kind of view the use of pagan gods as a, a way to step away from the good versus evil, because ancient pagan gods didn't weren't really either. They didn't really have that concept of good versus evil. The imbued would become one with like a more of a force of nature in a lot of ways, uh, which is again very different, as you pointed out, from the kind of kind of polarity of good and evil that uh, is commonly in Hunter the Reckoning. Yeah. Or is a uh, is I don't know in kind of Hunter the Reckoning, but it's like a question that you start to ask and then kind of falls apart as the game goes on, uh, due to the fractious nature and uh, just the pure stress that the hunters go through. Yeah, and the fact that characters who have seen this dichotomy of good versus evil are now faced with somebody who doesn't see anything that they do in that in that sort of way, and how would you deal with that? Yeah, it could be really interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of room that, to kind of expand and explore Hunt of the Reckoning that, uh, yeah, they really, they didn't get to, unfortunately. They are too busy just kind of, you know, talking about werewolves, talking about vampires and how they'd be presented in, in Hunter. Um, so it's kind of interesting to wonder how that game line might have expanded over time. 
I actually kind of like the fact that they leave it open because then there isn't something for everyone to lean on as, nope, that's canon. It's, no, we actually have no idea how to handle this. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're just going to keep talking about Hunter the Reckoning, I think. So it's interesting <laughs> that you bring that up because the old enemy books for uh, Hunter the Reckoning were really interesting because they gave you all of these non-standard options to kind of expand the uh, different supernatural types. So your vampires you could build to be way, way different than the ones that you actually saw in Vampire the Masquerade, uh, which could really, you know, put players on their toes. It also kind of helps the players to separate their actual knowledge of the games versus what they're experiencing in that game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, getting, up, getting back to uh, Memnod, the uh, topic of the show here, um, there's actually some cool things you could do in, say, uh, say, Wraith the Oblivion, right? Yeah, so Memnod might reside in the Shadowlands um, in the Dark Kingdom of Ivory, um, where he is a spiritual and military leader. Um, older than even Chiron himself. And uh, in the ensuing chaos of Chiron's disappearance, many ferrymen might seek out Memnon as the new anchor to help them guide lost souls to transcend it. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Because, uh, you know, Chiron is presented as this, uh, you know, really old wraith in the setting, but um, he was only from really Roman times, I believe. So there's a lot of room to have older still wraiths uh, putzing around. Of course, the... Uh, uh, there's even older from like the Neverborn and things like that, but it could be interesting to have other cultures have their own equivalent to uh, to Charon or um, just an alternative in many ways. Yeah, there are many cultures who have um, someone similar to Chiron um, for for their uh, death rituals and stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so, uh, Crystal, you, you also brought up that there is uh, some interesting stuff about the Trojan War and potentially Memnon in, uh, in Vampire, right? Yes, so um, Helen of Troy um, is known as Helena of Troy in Chicago by Night, and she has been in every Chicago by Night um, book. Um, she is monstrous and beautiful and totally removed from humanity. Um, and she's the Toreador that owns the Succubus Club. Um, she's also known as Portia in several of the books, um, as that is her alter ego. Uh, she has been asleep for many years and resisted the beckoning in V5. And um, her awakening has stirred up a lot of problems <laughs> for some of the vampires in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And if she knew that Memnon was alive in one form or another, she may seek him out. Yes, actually, that's very interesting. So that could bring in a very uh, cool globetrotting adventure as uh, a coterie is um, put to this task of trying to locate Memnon. Because I assume Helena herself wouldn't go looking for him. She'd probably send out uh, some sort of minions or the like. Oh, yeah, no, she would stay in her, in her haven and send others to do her jobs. And actually, that's a that's a great point about uh, Helena being a character in Vampire the Masquerade, um, because Vampire the Masquerade uses a lot of different uh, different characters like uh, Mithras, Shaitan, and Enkidu, a lot of these old mythological uh, figures. 
And given Memnon's potential for immortality with that one Zeus legend, he could of course live on as a vampire. That's definitely a, uh, uh, a possibility, but maybe we have something a bit more symbolic um, rather than his actual, you know, ageless immortal life. Uh, maybe he lived on in memory uh, or teaching or even as a bloodline. So really in either vampire game, uh, the bloodline known as uh, Memnon's kin may exist throughout Asia Minor, the Levant, and East Africa, uh, sitting in judgment over conflicts at the best of times, uh, but perhaps taking vengeance on when they're pushed too far to the extreme. Another um, thing that you could also use is that Memnon was turned into a river. And there are many vampire legends that talk about rivers of blood and fountains of blood and seeking out these fountains. And this could be part of that. Ah, yes. That's a very interesting idea, especially because the uh, river does smell of human flesh. Yeah. So, oh, in fact, ooh, that's an interesting idea, perhaps for the Naga Raja of uh, Vampire the Masquerade, since they have to uh, eat human flesh. Uh, in addition to drinking blood, uh, they really want to seek out such a mythic river, which may be not just blood, but flesh as well. Ooh, that would be a very interesting plotline and could potentially swing an entire clan to focus on a specific area. Yeah, yeah, that could be interesting. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's one, to, that's one to think about. Put that on the shelf to... Uh, think about a, a potential game in the future maybe just a one shot or just to figure out how you represent that river would it actually be a river itself perhaps not um but it could be something you know far underground deep within uh anatolia um a river of blood or something draining in there something underground maybe like a cistern could be could be really bizarre and uh an interesting adventure in itself yep or even um much like um, spring-fed ponds and stuff like that. Maybe oh, there's an underground river that bursts through in a pond. Cool. So let's come up with some other ideas here. Um, let's talk about those uh, Memnonides, the uh, the bird guardians of Memnon's tomb. Uh, they can make very interesting spirits in numerous games uh, for like World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness. Uh, in Werewolf Forsaken, the Memnonides may be attracted to tragic deaths, uh, making them sort of like circling carrion birds uh, overhead and ahead of a mortal's death. Alternatively, uh, perhaps the Memnonides are spirits which are bitter about the intervention of gods in more mythic eras, bitter uh, perhaps that they took sides and affected the Trojan War, amongst other wars. These bird spirits may be supernatural messengers alerting trusted Ruratha to powerful spirits crossing into the mortal world to enact chaos. Speaking of werewolf, mythologic figures slot in well with um, heroic and tragic aspects of werewolf the apocalypse. The armor of Hephaestus um, could be a great fetish that has been won by the Black Furies. Yeah, certainly. There's a lot of like... Uh arms and armor aren't there in uh in werewolf that have these kind of mythological resonances you know maybe they were actually created by a, a god in ancient times or a powerful spirit of the like one of the incarna or uh perhaps they were just named like that um and were created by a a, uh, a werewolf smithy of sorts uh, created as a fetish in more recent times but yeah, there's a lot you can do with the Black Furies, um, and it's interesting because as a uh, 
a very female-focused tribe, uh, there's, when you look at Greek lore, the Black Furies are from primarily Greece in their origins. Uh, it's really focused on the men most of the time. So it would be kind of interesting to see and explore how uh, Black Furies may try to, you know, kind of take back legends and uh, maybe put a more feminine spin to a lot of them. That's also one way, uh, definitely, to use the Black Furies. Um, since so much of the lore was um, verbal and passed down, it got lost a lot of times. And so the Black Furies could also be reclaiming um, legends and lores that either got misrepresented or um, lost completely. Could be pretty neat. So um, in Mummy the Resurrection or Mummy the Curse, players could also learn about the statue in Egypt um, that could possibly con be connected to Memnon. This statue was rumored to um, be of Memnon, and since the statue was destroyed centuries ago, the players could be tasked with finding the lost pieces of the statue in hopes of awakening Memnon. Yeah, that could be pretty neat, especially in uh, Mummy the Curse uh, Second Edition, which isn't out yet, but uh, rumors have it that time is not linear for the, uh, the cursed mummies in the new edition, so they may actually remember the past and the future as they uh, awaken in certain time periods. So they may know what happens when they uh, assemble all these pieces together and rebuild the statue. However, they don't remember where those pieces have ended up, uh, which could be just kind of a neat way to take things and uh, kind of experiment with that you know, non-linearity of time. Yeah, that's. Um, I was actually not aware of that, so I'm looking forward to how they represent that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's been kind of described as like Quantum Leap for Chronicles of Darkness, which uh, I'm a big fan of that show back from the early 90s, so I think it'll be pretty fun and interesting thing to explore. Yeah, it's definitely an awesome take on, on Mummy. Uh, so Crystal, I actually forgot to put this down in the show notes, but I was doing a lot of thinking about that last little bit in uh, Memnon's story, the writings of the uh, Icelandic poet, and how he may be the father of Thor. And, you know, these mythological figures, you can take interesting weird threads with them and kind of develop your own mythologies to be represented in games. You know, as we were mentioning uh, with Hunt of the Reckoning, maybe introducing pagan gods uh, as kind of like a way to just like have a, uh, just a new way to explore the game uh, outside of that, you know, duality of good versus evil. Creating these like interesting mythologies and backgrounds for characters and well, the players to explore can be pretty cool. So you can construct something really interesting and bizarre through the Memnon legend, uh, because again, it seems like everyone agrees that uh, he was Ethiopian. Um, he was from that area of uh, Eastern Africa, which if you know a lot about uh, Ethiopian tradition, before it became a Christian state, it was the second Christian country in the world or second one to adopt it. Before that, it was, according to their legend, uh, it was a Jewish state for quite some time. So if you were to kind of extrapolate that in a lot of ways, it's very interesting that perhaps you had this you know, Jewish king uh, fighting in a Greek war and being so favored by Greek gods. It's not something you'd normally hear about. And then taking that further and relating him to Thor, potentially, uh, this you know, Scandinavian Nordic god, kind of gives you a lot of uh, interesting directions to take a mythology combining different faiths and religions uh, to explore in your game. Uh, if you wanted to have something where maybe religion was 
a, a little less, um, you know, structured and defined by certain faiths and monotheism and uh, polytheism, and instead maybe was much more interconnected. Um, you could do something really cool with that and base it primarily off of this Memnon legend. Yeah, it's a great tie to um, kind of definitely break down all of those barriers and the way that we currently categorize religions. Because um, I think people like to think that their religion fits in a nice little box. Um, but the histories and the stories that are told are very interconnected with uh, different religions from around the world due to travel and wars and, and people moving from battles and, and famine and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. um, all of these stories travel far and end up intertwining with each other um, as a way for everyone to kind of make sense of everything. Yeah, definitely. And then if you extrapolate that into World of Darkness or Chronicles of Darkness or really any other horror game, you can come up with some really interesting ways, if you assume certain myths are true in that world, uh, to kind of like tie together different cultures. And that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's a great way to, to introduce different types of uh, beliefs and um, and cultures into your game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I can see myself using this maybe in like uh, Dark Ages Mage, maybe. Uh, this would be a great legend because that could tie together um, not just the uh, uh, the messianic voices, but the Valdrimen, uh maybe the, the Hermetics as well, into really one just interesting uh, philosophical adventure. Yeah, it could be pretty cool. Yeah, that that's awesome. Um, and definitely a really cool aspect to, to mage. Yeah, definitely. Crystal, uh, do you have any other ideas uh, that came to you as we were talking about this, about Memnon? Um, you know, I think we didn't discuss uh, we didn't discuss Changeling at all. Anything for Changeling? Yeah, so uh, Changeling the Dreaming would be a great tie-in with Memnon, especially with his uh, mentions in the Odyssey and the Iliad. Um, and yeah. being the subject of epic poems that are lost, um, Changeling characters could be out to find those lost poems. Yeah, yeah, or maybe even maybe even recreate them. Yeah, that'd definitely be something really cool to, to create, recreate them um, as a way to kind of channel magics and their beliefs. Yeah, definitely. Crystal, have you played much uh, Changing the Dreaming? I'm kind of getting an idea here and could shop this out maybe a little bit. Could talk to Chig about it later. What if you gave players glamour for doing something creative i do believe you do there is a way like ah, there ah. is a system for that um because they the the whole purpose of changeling the dreaming is to create whatever it is that your character creates yeah that could be really really fun to like have a uh have changeling as a a venue to uh just kind of encourage creativity amongst like artists and people yeah, maybe maybe create some sort of Greek play with Memnon in it. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, All right, cool. Crystal, uh, any other good ideas? I'm trying to think of one for Changeling the Lost, because it's so different from Changeling the Dreaming that perhaps in the Hedge there is space where the Greek wars continually happen and characters might run into Memnon there. Hmm. Yeah, that could be really interesting, uh, especially with a bunch of the Fae believing or pretending to be Greek gods uh, and just trying to influence everyone in those areas. Maybe Memnon 
himself has been trapped there for 3,000 years, and you could help him escape. Yeah, that's a that'd be a great tie-in. Uh, so I think that's it, uh, Crystal, for this secret frequency. Yeah, and uh, if people want to hear more of our uh, work in horror gaming, you can check us out over at darker-days.org. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can send us an email over at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. Uh, visit Darker Days Radio on Facebook. Tweet us at Darker Days Radio. And you can also join us on our Discord server, uh, which is pretty cool. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. So uh, until our next secret frequency, yeah. good night, good luck, and stay safe out there. <laughs>